Hello, welcome to the Beastie Bothy, where we discuss our favourite Scottish creatures every month. I'm Rosie. And I'm Roisin. This month we're talking about a beastie called the Kushi. That's a big old fairy doggy for those unfamiliar. Now, just like real doggies, the Kushi comes in many different types of breeds, and we're going to be touching on all of them today. But to start off, we need to do our favourite segment, Guess the Beastie. <gasps> Slowly fades out. So, Rosie, can you tell me if you can recognize this beast? Your first hint is that it is unnaturally large with glowing eyes. Okay. No guesses so far. That's so much information. I mean, (laughs) it's very clearly only one beastie that could possibly be this. Could be unnaturally large with glowing eyes. Yeah, come on. It's a rare description. Do I have another clue? I suppose. Weak. Uh, It can be found during thunderstorms, in church grounds, or along pathways or crossroads. Okay. I I think the church the church um, grounds has given me a hint. Ah. I think I I I might know, but give give me the third clue. You're such a baby. It is generally seen as an omen of death. So, my guess is, is it the church grim? It is not the (gasps) church grim. (laughs) It is, in fact, a kind of church grim. So, like, I'll give you half points for it. Okay. It's a black dog, which is the general description for the spooky doggy often seen in England and Wales, less so in Scotland, that is an omen of death, a very spooky, ghostly dog, always black, always huge. Um, and it has been known to be associated with church grounds, which is where we get the church grim from. But mm. it can actually be found in any places that are seen to be holy or along pathways and crossroads, places that are neither here nor there. Hmm. Well, I feel a bit cheated, but let's move on. <laughs> well, it's not my fault that you weren't quite good enough. I'm sorry. I'm not an expert. I'm sorry I guessed a specific one instead of you a did. broad general category. <laughs> you should have done, and I'm glad you're ashamed. <laughs> So what exactly is the Kushi? The name Kushi means fairy dog, and that's really all you need to know. It is a dog. It is also a fairy. It has been described as a large calf-sized hound with shaggy dark green coat instead of black or red like a hellhound would be. So if you thought the sloth was the only green furry mammal, (laughs) you were so wrong. You were absolutely incorrect. (laughs) It had large glowing eyes and enormous paws, and it had a tail that was either flat and coiled along its back or plaited, which I think would be quite cute. It's little yeah. flowers and things. Pretty. 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 Um, the, it was either a fairy's dog, like a fairy's pet or guard dog or hound, or it was at a guardian of important places of crossing, for example, a fairy mound or a literally a crossing. People would we... go on small journeys, say Dundee to Glasgow, and vanish along the way, and you wouldn't know mm. quite why, but you could think that maybe they'd been brought into the fairyland by Kushi. They could also prey upon people, but there were no really actual stories of this that I could find. Mm. They were more seen as people that could guard the souls of the dead or snatch the souls 
from people. Mm. Um, there are a few stories of Kushi abducting nursing women in order to bring them back to fairyland to rear fairy children, though. Mm. Um, their other known fact about a Kushi was that if you heard it bark three times, you would instantly die of fright. So people had to run and hide before the third bark or risk running into the creature and its terrible master. Mm. I suppose it's worth noting that... Um... Obviously, like, the Kushi is a bit different from the black dogs that we mentioned in Guess the Beastie. Um, but their omens of death and then the Kushi are sort of a go-between for the fairies. It's also really common to see the kind of fairies blurred with the dead. And, like, it's unclear sometimes whether it's a ghost of someone who was a human or if it's, like, a separate fairy, that kind of thing. So it's kind of, it, in both cases, the dog is serving as this go-between between mm -hmm. two worlds. And in Scotland, it's more like, it, it's a lot more fairy focused, but um, sometimes the fairies and yeah. the dead is the same thing. Yeah, but like, I think also in Scotland, you get this idea that a kushi is something you could just find. Like mm. it was an animal that you might see crossing the road like a deer. Hmm. Whereas I feel like if you saw a black dog or a church grim, it was an obvious omen that was being yeah. sent to you, which I find quite interesting about the Kushi. Like we have stories of people coming across a Kushi and saying like, no, nah, I'm going the other way because I know <laughs> what this thing is. So there must be some kind of big dog. And there is a breed of Scottish deerhound hmm. that is massive and gray fur. So if it was rolling about in yeah. yucky algae or yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it could turn green. And I imagine it would be very frightening. I would be frightened until it came up to me and then I would be enchanted. So we have a story about someone who saw the Kushi in real life. Um, so this story starts, a man came across a large black dog resting on a sandbank in Tyree. He decided to take a different way home, but went back to examine the spot the next day. He found the marks the dog had left in the sand with a paw print as large as the spread of his palm. Another woman swore she had heard the howl of a kushi on a beach on the north side of the island. Her father has rushed out of the house and grabbed her hand as if the dog was heard to bark three times, it would overtake them. Sees a huge dog on a sandbank and unlike other people isn't going, oh, I'm going to go see what this is about. Maybe find a fairy treasure. He's just like, I'm going to take him a long way home. I'm not risking it. Go back when it's safe the next day with a big stick. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I respect that. It's, yeah. it's, it's exactly what you want to happen in every every horror story <laughs> yes exactly you just like turn around <laughs> please don't go near the big scary doggy it will attack you <laughs> so we know what a kushi is and what it does but where does the myth come from so a kushi comes from a long line of doggies that act as guardians of places neither here nor there Places we call liminal spaces that exist and yet don't exist. To make that a little easier under to understand, think of Schrodinger's cat. Until we open the box, we don't know whether it's alive or dead in the box, and therefore it exists in this liminal space. And it was the same with people, like we said before, going on long journeys. Until they arrive in their destination and can write back home, you didn't know where they went. They have this this path that they're following that you can't actually see if they're alive or dead until it's confirmed to you so people went missing or vanished on these things you'd often never know what exactly happened 
Um, so Rosie, can you tell us why dogs take this place in myth? So dogs have an association with vigilance due to their long-standing relationship with humans as guard dogs and watchdogs. And these kind of places that the Kushi is guarding, like the fairy mounds, they need guardians too, and it's got and like they're important, and they need an important guardian. Mm. Dogs are also associated with violence due to being used as hunting dogs and in war for a long time. So people saw the great violence that a dog was capable of, and so dogs became linked to this ability to exact death. And you kind of they're they're then kind of with this idea of vigilance and violence, they become associated with the accessible underworld, like uh, Anubis or Cerberus in Greek mythology. So Cerberus both guards the underworld and obviously it's the underworld, it's the land of the dead. So he's like protecting the spirits as well as punishing those who try and enter the underworld. And mm -hmm. it's the same with like Kushi can be seen to guard the spirits, but they could also attack those they thought were threatening the fairy spaces. Mm -hmm. So dogs are also associated with loyalty. So, and this is kind of the aspect which perhaps shows why these kind of supernatural dogs would be considered so unsettling because dogs have masters always. So seeing one without one is strange and it's unnatural. And at the same time, if you see this terrifying dog that's huge and weird and supernatural, if that's the dog, what must the master be like? <laughs> really judgmental, to be honest. <laughs> Probably. Um, so in the Middle Ages, the dog became a symbol of undying loyalty. This lends into the idea of them protecting spirits even after death. And in the case of the Kushi, it might be a sign of a soon-to-be approaching fairy master. Ooh, one very frightening and not at all handsome. So why even are dogs associated with liminal space so much? Well, there might be a few reasons for that. I think it's interesting that the dogs are associated with liminality so much because I think in a way we've forced them to be something in between by domesticating them because, hmm. you know, they're not human, but they're no longer wild. But they're still an animal, but they can't go back to the, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's so true. And it's like interesting as well, when you see a dog without an owner, it is weirdly more threatening, but it's not threatening because mm -hmm. it's a dog. Like everyone knows dogs are nice and friendly, but just without an odor, owner, it becomes something that you just can't trust, I guess. Part of the liminality as well. It's so linked to human ownership. Mm-hmm. Fun fact, did you know that while dogs can go feral, cats cannot? Oh, how come? So well, They're this, already feral. <laughs> this is a technicality, basically. So because dogs are domesticated animals, there are no wild dogs. There's only dogs who have gone feral. Whereas cats are not, like, your average moggy has mm -hmm. not been domesticated by us through breeding. So cats... A domestic cat isn't domesticated, it's actually just tamed. So if a ah. cat was to go feral, they would just be a wild cat. They wouldn't yeah. be a feral. You see what I mean? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> the fun fact. That was a fun fact, and I enjoyed myself. 
for all of its funness. Yay. <laughs> I just want everyone to know. Well, it is important because in all the Scottish lore, it is really emphasized that it's a kushi, which is a dog fairy. It's not a wolf. It's a dog. So, you know, can't go feral. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've talked a lot about all the different doggies. So, Rosie, welcome to Crofts. <laughs> I've got Crofts. A, a lovely group of doggies for you to judge today. All right. And I know you're so excited for it. So, starting off with one of the most famous guardian doggies in existence. It's a lovely Cerberus. So here lovely. you see the wonderful Hound of Hades. He has three heads, but not always. Sometimes more, sometimes less, depending on the size of the urn. This particular Cerberus' owner, the Latin poet Horace, also points to the snakes popping out from his fur. Lovely little addition to the dog. I see. He looks black, but he can also be red or white or no color mentioned. Hmm. What do you think of this dog? What would you grade him? Well, I have to give the dog some points for being such a good example of the breed being that it's the stereotypical guard dog, supernatural mm. dog guard thing. And he did such a good job for so long. Yeah. Um, but points off for the snakes because I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's understandable. And this snake is trying to bite you. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Um, so Cerberus, uh, I'll give a, a seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. Very good job, Cerberus. You get a treat. <laughs> Next little dog we have here at Crufts, the beautiful Kun Anun. And if any of our listeners are Welsh, and I am mispronouncing this, please keep it to yourself. Uh, this spectral hound is part of the wild hunt, presided over by Aaron. Uh, the howling of these dogs foretold death to anyone who heard them, quite like our very own Kushi. Uh, the Kunanun is often seen as a death portent, and you can see it in its lovely white fur, the colour of death. And the Christians later dubbed these beautiful creatures a hellhound, which we know and love. Hmm. Well, I think they need some points for originality because all the other ones are black slash green. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they're white, so yeah. de definitely that. Um, they're very ghostly. Mm -hmm. um, I think, honestly... Just because I like their general vibe, I'm going to give them a 9 out of 10. Oh, 9 out of 10. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're pleased, pleased with this one. I thought this out a lot. Yep. Yeah. Does it have anything to do with the Wild Hunt and uh, the Witcher by any chance? Why would you say that? <laughs> Definitely not related. No, no. Well, our last lovely doggy here we've got is Gorum's. Uh, the bloodstained guardian of Hell's Gate from Norse mythology. Unfortunately, we don't actually know quite what Gorum's looks like. So as you can see in front of you in our little bothy Rosie, he's this little blob of fur. <laughs> uh, his howl heralded the coming of Ragnarok and he has been described as the god of all hounds. Hmm. See, that's quite difficult because I find the notion of a bloodstained blob of fur <laughs> really off-putting. <laughs> Very liminal space, extra liminal space. Mm. And and to be honest, bloodstain a bit much, right? Okay. <laughs> it just shows he's obviously been guarding. He's been working hard. He's coming straight from hell. Mm. Okay, I don't know. 
that's kind of cha- that that's changed things yeah. for me. I a working know. class dog. A working he's, he's been dog. working really hard. That means he's a good boy. So like, I guess, I, I guess, ten out of ten. Yay! Good job, Gurums. <laughs> Don't no one ever speak to me about this scoring because I will not be defending it. <laughs> there is no rationale behind this. <laughs> Okay, Rosie, we know the Kushi through and through. We know what it looks like, what it does, and who's in its family. So you're looking at our well-known, much-loved scale with indefinable standards. Mm -hmm. Would you pet it? I would... I'm going to say I'd pet it with gloves on. With gloves on again. Because is that what we said before? I think we said that for the uh, brownie. Mm. See, here's my reasoning for petting it with gloves on. Um, You know how sometimes you'll be petting a dog and your hands get quite greasy? Yeah. I just think whatever that is would be much... making the green? Much worse. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so got an ectoplasm of some kind, I'm sure. Yeah, so, you know, and I'm not trusting that that wouldn't be bad. (laughs) When petting magical beasties, it's always good to take precautions. Mm. But I would definitely want to pet it. I would give it it a good pet, a scratch behind the ears, just with gloves on, I think, just as a precaution. Well, it does such a good job. And I would definitely not uh, not pet it anywhere close to a uh, barrow or... <laughs> yeah, because then I think it would just take you. Yes, you would be maybe, summoned. Maybe, maybe that would be good. <laughs> <laughs> Worrying. All right, that's fantastic. The Kushi pet with gloves. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good one. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the podcast this month. It's been great. If you have a beast that you want us to talk about or you've got a really interesting story to share, then let us know on our social media at Folklore Scotland. Thank you for listening to the Folklore Scotland podcast. We'll be back every week with more folkloric content from stories to analysis. The podcast is brought to you by Folklore Scotland, the charity that aims to make Scottish folklore accessible using digital platforms telling the tales of the past with the technology of today. If you'd like to become a voluntary contributor or would like to get in touch, pop us an email at info at folklorescotland.com and you can find all of our social media as well as a list of sources in the show notes below. The charity also now has a Ko-fi page which you can find in the show notes if you would like to help us continue the work that we do. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.